On behalf of the National Public Housing Museum, we thank you for tuning into our oral history audio listening series, Out of the Archives. In each episode, we will share a diverse range of stories told by public housing residents from the museum's oral history archive. Stories make up the backbone of any culture. They tell us who we are and where we are from. They create empathy and understanding, and they allow us an opportunity to share our experiences and learn from the words of others. The stories in our archive lift up the voices of an oftentimes marginalized community and create a space for important conversations to happen. Here at the NPHM, we firmly believe in the power and importance of everyday stories and their ability to expand and redefine our understanding of American history. Our mission is to promote, preserve, and propel the right of all people to a place where they can live and prosper, a place to call home. And we hope that this collection of stories not only reinforces that belief, but can shed light on an American experience that is all too often left unheard. In this episode entitled, We're All Connected to Everybody, Connecting Stories, Connecting Dots, you hear about quarter parties that were organized in the Henry Horner homes to help residents pay for their rent, finding the good in a community when you're having a difficult time, and a family's first television set at the Lathrop homes. The storytellers from this episode include Harold Brown, originally from the Lathrop homes between 1943 and 1959, Sonny Fisher, originally from the East Chester projects between 1949 and 1960, Dr. Cranston Knight, originally from the Henry Horner homes between 1957 and 1969, Gertrude Mendoza, originally from Cabrini Green Homes from 1956 to 1958, Loomis Courts from 1958 to 1961, and the Lathrop Homes from 1967 to 1970, and last but not least, John Petterford, originally from the Henry Horner Homes between 1968 and 1996. These stories span from 1943 to 1996. My name is Cranston Cedric Knight. I found the ability to people to respond very quickly, very interesting. Most of us did not have money for rent, and so we had quarter parties. Uh, Friday night, I can remember my father's uh, aunt hosting a party. It cost a quarter to get in, and people would give a quarter. You had enough money, quarters, so that you could pay rent. The following month, someone else didn't have any money for rent, and there was another quarter party, and people did it for years to make sure that there was rent. They had the best of elixir. White lightning and sugar and Kool-Aid. So you get a big pan, you can throw in the water, you put in the Kool-Aid, and then you put white lightning, which is 190 proof, which didn't cost much. And you would get this amazing buzz, to say the least. They would stir up really good. The music is loud. And if you weren't quite feeling the rhythm in the very beginning, two hits of some white lightning, you kind of felt it. Yeah, so it's there. And you're moving. And people would dance late into the night and then go home, <clears throat> maybe stay the night. Uh, I had lots of cousins in the community, so my aunts and uncles were pretty close. <clears throat> they would come by and um, made sure the party continued, but they also made sure the liquor was there. We didn't, people didn't have enough money for packets of liquor. The business district, however, was still white. 
So there were lots of people there in the business district on Madison Street and Lake Street of different ethnicities. So you had Italian individuals who were Jewish, so like the meat market was really a meat market. Then they would cut the meat down, they would cut the meat in half. Uh, we, we, I like bacon. Love bacon. Bacon, 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 bacon. I can't eat bacon now, but, uh, but that was soft pork. And that was pork. And they would take and slice it very thick, which you would pay a lot of money for now. My mom would then take it and put water in the pan, literally desalinate, take all the salt out, and then fry it. Um, my other aunt would come by. She had flat corn. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, taco, just put it there. Cheese, little lettuce, flip, 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 lunch. My, my other aunt wanted to give us candy, but candy costs. But you could take bananas. They would cut the bananas in half. They'd take the bananas, soak them overnight in um, brown sugar, fry them. So you get all the juices all night coming out of the bananas or the sugar being soaked into, the brown sugar being soaked into the bananas, fry them, that was our candy. Gertrude Mendoza, a young man, I, don't, I forget his name, his first name was Gilbert, and he got killed, a shot or something. And all the people came, we lived in like courtyards, you know, we had big courtyards. And a lot of people came one night and they lit a bunch of candles and they had like a, a, a I don't vision. Yeah, for him. Yeah, they had a vigil. And they were praying and, ooh, look, it gives me goosebumps. Anyway, they were praying and the mother was crying and I had never seen anything like that. And it was really, really kind of like, wow, you know, very frightening. I was about, I think I was 13 or 14 when that happened the first year we were there. And, um, yeah, yeah. And then there were other things too, like, you know, like I said, I got bullied a lot by kids and that's about it, you know, but um, the projects were, but there was a lot of good in it too, because we had a, um, we lived in a, like a, a roadhouse, which were long apartments together, you know? And um, we had a, the living room and kitchen downstairs, and upstairs was the bathroom and the bedrooms. And um, they were very nice apartments, and the people were very nice, you know, as in our neighbors. Um, we had a lady live next door to us, her name was Judy, and she had one regular arm and one tiny arm, and she was the most wonderful person, you know? She was just so sweet, and what I really liked about the projects is how everybody helped everybody, you know? Like if your neighbor needed milk for their kids, you would help them, and then if you needed something, they would help you, you know? It was like really nice like that because and if your kids were outside playing, everybody would watch everybody's kids. There was no, yo, well, you gotta pay me, or you this or that. It was just so wonderful to be comfortable knowing that somebody was watching you and knowing that, you know, your parents were there and that other parents were keeping an eye on you too. 
So that was pretty good too. That was the best part. You really, it felt like you were, you were connected to everybody. I mean, not just the people next door, but then there were buildings across from you. And you know, it was just, it was amazing. I think that's where I learned to be more um, uh, like be, be not uncomfortable with being myself because the people that were near me, like my neighbors, they were nice. But when I got in school and stuff, it was bad. But you know, a lot of people weren't bad. But. Uh, I just, uh, I found it to be a very nice place to live, you know, and you kind of depend on each other, like if you got your um, check like two weeks before somebody, you would let them have milk and bread and eggs and stuff, and then when they got theirs, they would do it for you if you needed it. You know, it was just amazing. It was a very nice place to live. And I wish my kids could have been bigger there. You know, I wish they would have grown up more, but they didn't. They were little when I left there, like two and one. So it's, you know. My name is Harold Brown. And we were the first ones in there to get a TV set. It must have fallen off the back of a truck or something. Anyway, um, it was a black and white television. It was a traveler. And in order to see it, you had to have the room completely dark. I mean, you, you couldn't have any lights on or you couldn't see it. Um, but what, what were things like then? Uh, there again. And well, we used to have, everybody would come by and uh, look at the TV. And at nighttime, we'd leave the windows open and uh, so that the neighbors can, you know, because we couldn't fit every, everybody in the room. It was a nine by 12 room. That was the, the living room was nine by 12. The kitchen was a heck of a lot smaller than that. Bathrooms were small. Bedrooms were small. There were uh, four of us in there. My brother, my, my, uh, myself, my sister, and my mother. And uh, they had a little, like a store, a little room off in the back. Um, it was small. I, I think now my living room and dining room are bigger than if you, I know my, my living room and dining room are bigger than the whole house if you would have laid it out that I live in now. So it, it was small, but we didn't know any better. So we were happy. And there's a lot of good people that came out of the projects. Um, there was one guy, Pat Needham, who wound up being the first deputy on the police department. He was number two in command. Um, he had several, like I said, we have several doctors that came out of there. He had um, a lot of policemen, a lot of firemen. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the kids that I grew up with. And we all, it's, it's amazing that we still get together. I still meet with kids that I started kindergarten with. Nice. And for being 78 years old and still seeing kids from kindergarten, that's a long time ago. I'm Sunny Fisher. It's funny because again, in my memory, they were, our, our we lived on the seventh floor. We used to watch the sunset facing west obviously and used to watch the sunset uh, 
as a kind of a family, <laughs> a family activity. It was really sometimes very beautiful. And then we went to the, uh, um, my, my father, my, actually when he married my stepmother, he got a car. So we would be traveling around quite a bit in our cars. That was our vacation, mostly in New York State, sometimes down to, to, to Pennsylvania. And it gave us a sense of how other people lived. And, that, and, and, and during Christmas, although we were Jewish and didn't, didn't celebrate Christmas at all, my father used to take us into the suburbs to see the lights, to see all the Christmas decorations. We were surrounded, and not unlike in Chicago, we were surrounded by pretty much working class families who had houses. Uh, I remember as a kid looking in the in the real estate section of the newspapers and thinking my, what it might have been like to to grow up in the suburbs and seeing the the, the blueprints and of that that used to be published when they were selling houses and imagining what it might be like to have my own room, which I didn't have until I was about, how old was I? 16, 16 or 17 when my, my sister went to college. Um, well, that's not true. She graduated from college and moved out. That's when I got my because we, we all went to city colleges in New York. Uh, that's what my parents could afford. And it was actually really good education. So we were, we were very, in some ways we were very lucky. We, we had a lot, New York City was a, a city at that time, especially that seemed to want us to make it. In good schools, we had free museums. We had a, a lot of lot of things that you could do. Just being in New York was a was an education, and my, my family was very uh, intent on making sure that we used the city. And so we there were free concerts. Um, there was there's a lot you could do without money and be and grow up with a with a lot of of uh, um, enrichment, I, I suppose. My name is John Pettiford. Uh, I was around eight years old, seven, eight years old when we moved into the projects, and it was a low-income housing. And at that time, um, a lot of people was moving into the projects because they were very new at that time, and it was pretty much the only area in which the low-income people could actually move to and try to make a life for themselves. So as time progressed, like any poverty-stricken area, the projects, along with any other area which was low-income, start going down. Well, not at that particular time because we was more of a family in those years, but as time progressed, you will know that it started going down. I was I was one of the fortunate ones. Uh, I lived with my parents my whole life. Uh, I'm like uh, the junior. My dad, his he was John Pettiford. My mom, you know, we were just a a beautiful family. We was not just a beautiful family. Let me let me just put this out there. We was very, very fortunate, you know, because what I had in my family, you know, a lot of families in the 
projects didn't have that. You know, what we had, you would find one in every ten families that had what we had. And those odds not good. But what made us a unique family was that my mom had an open-door policy, if you will. You know, she'll cook dinner on a Sunday, which we all would have to be there and come in and eat. And if you didn't eat with the family on Sunday, you didn't eat. Then was other days during the week, she would cook dinner and everybody in the building would know she's cooking and whoever wanted to come down to our house and eat, well, if it was there, she let them eat. And I can remember numerous of times that I came home from school or for whatever I was doing out and <laughs> there'd be strays in the house sitting at the table eating it. And I go up and I ask, Mom, who the hell is that? And she said, hey, I thought it was one of y'all friends. He said he was hungry. And I told him to come on in and eat, get him a plate to eat. And he sat there and ate. And that's how our household was. Once again, the NPHM thanks you for listening to this episode of Out of the Archives. This series is supported by the Institute of Museum and Library Services, the Illinois Arts Council Agency, Illinois Humanities, the Kresge Foundation, and the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events. This episode was engineered by Seth Engel at Pallet Sound. We'd like to give one last huge thanks to our storytellers, Harold Brown, originally from the Lather Poems, Sonny Fisher, originally from the East Chester Projects, Dr. Cranston Knight, originally from the Henry Horner Homes, Gertrude Mendoza, originally from Cabrini Green Homes, Loomis Courts, and the Lather Poems, and John Pettiford, originally from the Henry Horner Homes as well as the museum's oral history corps and the other oral historians who helped to gather these stories, including Shirley Alfaro, Ashley Jefferson, Shakira Johnson, Alexis Judah, and Maria Moon. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to sharing more stories with you next month. <laughs>